The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The drive to go further and reach higher. The same thing that inspires you, inspires us. At Strayer University, we're always searching for new ways to make education more affordable. That's why we offer access to up to 10 no-cost gen ed courses to help you save time and money so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. No-cost gen ed provided by Strayer University affiliates of Field Learning. Eligibility rules apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Welcome to a special episode of the show brought to you in partnership with Arlington Economic Development, where we discuss issues related to the workforce, the role of place and the future of work, and the role of the creative sector in a larger business context. We call this return on creativity. While hybrid and remote work are here to stay in many roles across most industries, there is an even greater need for the creation of spaces that can incorporate what the workforce needs to both live and work. Today, we're going to talk about what it takes to build a place for the future of work. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Marion Marquez, Director of Business Investment Group at Arlington Economic Development. Uh, first, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you do at Arlington Economic Development? Thank you, Greg. It's great to be here. As you mentioned, I'm the director for business investment with Arlington County at Arlington Economic Development. We are at otherwise known as AED. We're part of county government, and my team specifically is responsible for attracting companies to Arlington to locate in Arlington or expand in Arlington. And then what we try to do is keep them here by providing great services for them and all their employees. Um, on my team, I've got, it's really two teams within one. I've got one group that's kind of the relationship managers and they're working to, um, engage companies across the U S around the world, um, to, who may be interested in an East coast location. And they're going to be the ones that every Arlington company will be familiar with. And then the other half of the team is really kind of the infrastructure that's required to engage with those companies. So we've got an economist that collects a lot of our business intelligence about the community and for companies like Amazon when it was, um, you know, doing its HQ2 search in terms of collecting all the data that they needed to make their decision. Um, and we also have a marketing manager that helps us respond to competitive bids for companies. So kind of runs the gamut, but we're very focused on keeping Arlington a really attractive place for companies to be and to operate and uh, for all their employees, a great place for them to live, work and play. Great, great. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about this and diving in here. Let's, uh, 
we're going to look at this idea of building a place for the future of work, and we're going to look at it through a few different lenses. But let's start with the technology that's needed. So Arlington in particular has been forming some interesting and, and forward thinking partnerships in this regard. Um, kind of to kind of start this discussion, you know, first, what is a smart city and how does this concept lay the foundations for the future of work? That's a great question. And I'll start by saying that, you know, smart city means a lot of different things to different people. And um, it's something that Arlington has been engaged with, you know, for quite some time. Um, So thinking about it from our perspective, um, and kind of more of a definition as it applies to economic development, we, you know, we see smart city as being a network, kind of a combination where digital infrastructure and assets in a community get combined with the placemaking and the experience and, um, you know, where you're leveraging kind of data-driven solutions to improve quality of life in the city, both in terms of sustainability, attractiveness for businesses, workers, residents, and, um, you know, kind of increasing efficiencies with everyone who live, lives, works, and plays in, in the community. Um, so, very high level without getting, you know, it can be a very technical definition, but the way I like to think of it is where you have kind of an interplay between technology and the kind of day-to-day experience that you want to create in a community. Um, and you kind of maximize that, that potential. So what are, what are some of the things that are required in order to make a smart city work effectively? Two things I would point out. One is there is the technology piece, right? Um, what makes a smart city work is when you have sort of an internet of things and you have systems that are speaking to each other, whether that's, you know, traffic control or garbage collection or within a a building, an office building, you know, different parts, sensors on the building, basically all of these and talking to light posts that are connected in order for that exchange of information to happen, to improve the processes within the community, they need to be able to talk to each other. And I'll talk a little bit later on about specific project we're working on um, partnership with JBG Smith, which as you likely know, is um, largest developer in our national landing area um, to build what will be the States and perhaps the East coast true first smart city. Um, So technology, you know, depending on what's happening within the smart city, there are a lot of layers of what, what JBG Smith refers to as the technology stack that are required, and I can talk a little bit more about those. But I did want to point out um, the other piece that is critical, and as we've kind of gone down this path of doing a public-private partnership between Arlington County and JBG Smith, is really the buy-in and the commitment from the community itself. The city or the community at whatever levels are appropriate you know, within the government and the authority needs to be committed to this innovation and to becoming a smart city because, you know, there are a lot of services that may be municipal services that in an ideal world would be layered into any smart city plan and you need to have all the right departments kind of signing off and getting the support they need from leadership to kind of engage um, from a technology standpoint, investment standpoint, investing their resources to work on this, you know, really have a vision of the future and see you know, buy into the importance of having a smart city, both in terms of what that means for being maybe a more sustainable community, a more efficient community, more attractive to businesses, because in in some cases, 
there are companies with technologies that are very interested in being in a particular community because that community may be interested in, in purchasing their tech technology um, down the road. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's a, it's a change initiative. Like, I mean, I work a lot on the, the inside of organizations. You know, any change initiative takes people, process, and technology to, to happen, right? So it's, uh, mm-hmm. I think this is at such a, it's at a very different scale than, you know, it's, it's, this is across not only government, but uh, citizens and, and everything like that. So yeah, definitely, definitely the technology component is, is big, but it takes a lot of things working together. Right. And in some cases, um, you know, it's not just conceptually the buy-in, but you know, something that we're going to be navigating as we work together to build up the smart city and innovation district in the national landing area is just, you know, what does that mean in terms of asking Arlington County to do things differently when it comes to permitting or zoning. I mean, if you want to build some kind of test bed for a certain technology or get, um, you know, sensors installed on lampposts, there are processes you need to go through um, with the county to get permission to do those things. And so, you know, kind of from very high level down to brass tacks, um, you know, the engagement of the, the public sector and everybody being on the same page is, is critical. We're fortunate to have that support in Arlington, as you you know, because you're you're from the region as well, and you've worked in the region for quite some time. But I think Arlington has shown its com- commitment to smart development um, and touts itself as a smart city, and that that commitment has been there for you know several decades. So we're we're fortunate to have forward looking leadership. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've I've uh, started uh, quite a few businesses in in Arlington, so you know, I definitely have a um, have a have a, a pretty good understanding of that. Well, and you, you mentioned um, some of the work you're doing with JBG Smith. Um, do you mind elaborating on that a little sure. bit? I mean, you know, talk about talk about some of the stuff you're working on. Sure. Yeah. So we were really excited to um, make an announcement last summer of our partnership with JBG Smith. Um, they approached us early last year. You know, they they hold a lot of property down in National Landing in and around. HQ2 all the way down to um, Virginia che- Virginia Tech's innovation campus that's getting built just across the bar in Alexandria and approached us about leasing the dark fiber um, that Arlington County owns and laid um, you know beneath the roads all across Arlington County going back about 10 years um, which is sometimes referred to as as Connect Arlington initially it was done as a way to um, provide better coverage and connectivity for county operations and have some autonomy from commercial providers, more cost effective, and then, you know, certainly to connect all the kind of critical functions of the county, um, but also the schools and um, excess dark fiber was laid under underground for economic development purposes and really to be an asset for companies who are looking for that additional, um, you know, kind of boost or connectivity that they need to power their businesses. And um, in large part had not been taken full advantage of. Um, Meanwhile, JBG Smith, you know, had started laying plans to start to build up um, an innovation district. You probably saw in headlines, um, remember it was early last year, late of uh, 2020, that they had actually bought a portion of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in order for them 
to realize their vision of building 5G smart city and national landing, they really needed that either to access our dark fiber or to build it on their own. And so they approached us with an, uh, the county with an unsolicited um, proposal to effectively lease the dark fiber from Arlington County long-term. And so we started and we um, at Arlington Economic Development and in very close partnership with um, our colleagues in Department of Technology Services, DT, which we call DTS, our acronym, um, we started working closely with JBG Smith and their, their smart cities team um, to negotiate the terms of this. Um, you know, we saw it as a win-win solution for us. I mean, our, our team and our department, as I mentioned, is very focused on attracting companies and filling up these buildings and, you know, the, the types of companies. So JBG Smith has both residential and commercial buildings and they're very, so they're very focused on, on both, um, both types of tenants. And, um, but where we're very closely aligned with them is on their commercial buildings. A lot of the companies that they're looking to attract by having this type of technology and asset to offer um, aligns closely with the companies that we've been working to attract to the county who may, by virtue of the mission critical work that they do or very high tech or de- Department of Defense work, need a, um, a lot of uh, you know, power and great connectivity with very little um, kind of the quality of the, the connectivity needs to be at a certain level and um, need secure systems and basically um, having access to the county's dark fiber and the investment that we made um, allows would allow JBG Smith to kind of accelerate their plan to build up that technology infrastructure, which we know is critical for these companies. And there is um, a benefit in doing that quickly and kind of defining ourselves, being, you know, having Arlington be one of the few places that companies can come here to work on the kind of things that they want to work on. Um, so we worked for, you know, the, the first part of last year um, on this project together to define the terms of, and conditions and took it to our board in the summer. Um, and it was approved um, by our county board and we are working with them quite closely. They're actually, um, our director, Telly Tucker, is currently with the state of Virginia at a big tech conference in Europe, um, talking to companies who are interested in this. And actually, um, JBG Smith is there doing the same. They're very focused on uh, building up the technology components, which starts with a dark fiber um, and has kind of five different layers, the, the top of which being you know, is the spectrum that they acquired in 2020. Um, that's really going to build this kind of secure technology stack that, you know, that is so attractive to um, these high growth industries like machine learning, AI, cloud computing, Internet of Things, um, cybersecurity. And um, so we're really excited about it. uh, And we're really excited that the world is kind of opening up again and companies are, you know, ready to make some decisions about taking space. Yeah, um, yeah. And we're really excited because we've, you know, they've made a lot of progress on the technology front. They announced um, a partnership, they being JBG Smith, announced a partnership with AT&T um, as one of the providers for the 5G um, and are, you know, starting to re- announce some really exciting things. Virginia Tech 
Transportation Institute is um, pursuing a smart mobility coalition, um, you know, kind of looking at, they, as you may or may not know, they have a, an a incredible it's, uh, Transportation Institute down in Blacksburg, on their Blacksburg campus. Um, and they're looking at, you know, given what, what they know is being built around national landing and the university being there at HQ2, what are some transportation and smart mobility um, projects and use cases that could be piloted in this area? Um, and so it's, it's really exciting to be able to start moving forward on some concrete projects and have concrete discussions with, with companies. In fact, I just wrapped up a meeting here with a company that's looking to do some really interesting things that require um you know, the dark fiber yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. connection. And so, so yeah, we're, we're excited to be able to move forward on this um, great partnership that we, that we have with JBG Smith. Uh, so what about the role of education and universities in building smart cities? That's a great question. I would say that in, you know, it's, it's critical um, when we've looked at successful smart cities and innovation districts, Generally, there is kind of an anchor university um, that is involved in the partnership, both from, um, you know, developing the talent and through the students, whether it's undergrad or graduate level, but also through the research that's undertaken by faculty and, you know, finding partnerships with industry to commercialize that, spin off startups. Um, we're really excited. I mentioned the um, Virginia Tech Innovation Campus. We are also really, really excited to, um, actually groundbreaking is I think taking place next month for George Mason's, um, uh, innovation, uh, campus in right here in Arlington in the Virginia square neighborhood. It's called IDIA. Um, so it's the Institute for digital innovation and, and they have, um, very much in their vision as well. And, and you were in discussions with them about what, that would mean in terms of an innovation district that's looking more at kind of the Rossland Boston corridor, but they have very much that vision for their campus to be, um, and their new um, campus here to be a, a site of, of innovation. And they have a space that is going to be dedicated strictly for industry so that some of that collaboration I talked about earlier between students, startups and faculty, and then maybe some of the larger industry players around the GMU Arlington campus um, can really take off. They have a really, really cool um, lab, uh, which I've had the uh, kind of an R&D lab, like we were talking about earlier, uh, Industry 4.0 on the campus there. And so we're, we're very excited to see that take off and kind of create the buzz of innovation in, in that part of Arlington County as well. Wonderful. Well, yeah, and, um, you know, you touched on several components of this already, but, you know, just to kind of ask the question, because, you know, a lot of people, when they're thinking about um, physical office space and, and company headquarters and all those kinds of things, I mean, you know, we've been, we're coming off of, you know, two years almost of remote and if not um, hybrid work and, and stuff, but, you know, why is it still so important that a company be smart about where it locates its offices? Yeah, that's a really interesting question and um, several different thoughts to share. But I think first and foremost, um, you know, 
the place that a company chooses to locate its office, or at least, you know, maybe several offices that they choose to have now um, around workforce, it really should be a place where those employees want to be. And I keep saying live, work and play, but I think those those divisions between live, work and play are getting even more blurred right now that we're coming out of two years um, working, you know, mostly remote. Um, So I think, you know, even if hybrid work is shifting more in the direction of remote work, what we've seen is very few companies are willing to take the leap to fully remote or, you know, what they call remote first. So we still have, you know, people coming into the office, you know, one day, even if it's one day a week or two days a week, you still have clients that are going to be coming in for really meetings that are really important to do in person and face to face. Um, and you know, with a lot of companies around here, corporate headquarters, um, workers are needing, still needing to fly in and out to meet clients and partners. So you still want to be in a place that's really well connected to the airport and other modes of transport, you know, highly accessible, which we're, we're really fortunate in this region, um, to, to be, to be a leader in. Um, but, you know, I think the other piece is, is just, you know, more about the experience, right? If you have, whether you have people here that are working for companies in Arlington or people that are living in Arlington working mostly remote, you want this to be kind of a sticky place that those workers feel is fun to, to be in, whether that's working or living. So, you know, cool experiences, cool restaurants, cool, um, amenities nearby. I think, you know, the lesson we all knew before Amazon, but I think Amazon really, that, that project really drove home is that, um, you know, when you're talking about attracting companies, you have to think about what's most important to them and what's most important to them is their talent. So then you got to shift the conversation to the talent. What's most important to the talent And that talent is going to want to be in a place um, that has kind of the amenities and the lifestyle and things that they that they want from day to day. And, you know, we've we've talked about how technology certainly improves companies and, you know, the the companies that are attracted by the access to the dark fiber and and, and things 5G and, and all of that kind of stuff. But what about the you know, doesn't it have an added bonus of um helping people in the the non-work uh, parts of their life as well so you know how how are some of those things going to be beneficial to people living here even if they don't even if they're you know the, where they work isn't headquartered here oh yeah i think um the technology components you know it started to say um with jbg smith that they have you know both residential and commercial buildings but they're very much you know part of their goal with the smart city is is very much geared towards residents. So, you know, whether you're in an office, if you're in a fully connected kind of 5G smart city, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be in an office building to have that, you know, highly reliable, redundant connectivity um, on your devices. You could be sitting in a park or sitting in a cafe and basically able to make your office wherever you want it. So whereas that was a great idea pre-pandemic, you know, it's, it seems like genius now, right? Because who knew that everybody was actually going to be in their quote unquote office while sitting on their balcony or, you know, at a cafe nearby. Um, and, 
so, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of the vision. Um, and, you know, um, JBG Smith likes to, I don't know if this is something that they coined or if this is, um, you know, out there in other smart cities, but kind of the urban operating system. Okay. So you're going to have, you know, sort of like an app that connects you when you're in national landing as a resident or worker, wherever you are. Um, and everything that you interact with in that environment is connected and is on that operating system, which is constantly getting upgraded. And, um, and so you think about, you know, taking a scooter or ordering something, you know, from a cafe that like a robot delivers. I mean, this all seems very, um, futuristic, but that's, that's not just the worker. You're talking about all those people who work there and who may be spending the the bulk of their working hours kind of interacting in the community versus being in an office somewhere. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine that, um, you know, I guess back in the day, let's say there were certain amenities that companies looked for around their office, you know, like maybe places to eat lunch or, you know, some, some, something parking and and stuff like that. But how has this changed? I mean, you've touched on, you know, that people are living and working in the same place. How, how has this affected what you're doing, you know, in, in helping to attract companies? Like, is this, has this complicated things? Has this, you know, what's, uh, I guess, how, how has that kind of changed in the shift of like, you know, creating these communities and, and stuff like that in the last few years? Yeah, it, it certainly has changed the way, not just AED, but there's, um, you know, big conversations underway in the county right now about, um, you know, how we have developed our community and we are, as you know, primarily office and what we're kind of, we have been learning through this pandemic and coming out is that, you know, and we're we're actually um, doing a big, our team is doing a big survey right now of of the business community in Arlington about kind of their plans for, and we've been keeping tabs on it, but return to office and how many days in the office they're expecting their people to be. And it's, you know, it's going to take some time to catch up. Um, but it's, it's going to be a big difference. And we see every day companies shedding space, um, office space or putting their space on, on the market for sublease. And so we really need to rethink, um, you know, what the new, what the future looks like, what companies, what kind of space they want. Um, you know, it's not kind of traditional office. I mean, I think for one, I'll say, I think Arlington, we're quite fortunate because a lot of what we, the trends we've seen is that by and large tech companies are still driving the growth in office. They are the companies that even during the pandemic, we've seen hang out of their space or expand or like, you know, Microsoft is going to be opening their big office in Rosslyn this year. Yeah. The, the kind of announcements, the, the happy announcements we've seen during the pandemic have all been tech and kind of headquarters. And lucky for us, Arlington, we play very well in those two, yeah. you know, for the reasons we talked about before, access to the talent, access to the transportation and infrastructure, airports, all those are stand us up very well. But we're still expecting, you know, to see overall less demand. Um and more space to meet that demand. And we know what happens when from Econ 101, um, that means that, you know, the price that 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 um, can be charged to for leases is going to go down over time. And that has a that can have a pretty sizable impact on the county's budget, which drives a lot of, you know, it's it's value from um, 
the commercial buildings and we were specifically built that way um, intentionally, you know, to have these kind of dense urban corridors. So anyway, um, we're rethinking, oh, we're doing some work to understand industry demand and what that looks like. A lot of, you know, we do know a lot of companies need some space. It may just not be as, as big as before, but the configuration is different. We've also, especially from our tech company, seen a lot of interest in having these kind of uh, R&D, you know, labs of some kind. And not what you think of, not like manufacturing, like not heavy R&D, but sort of industry 4.0, um, you know, basically one big computer lab um, and, uh, you know, AI models turning and machine learning and all this, you know, kind of R&D innovation center of the future. Um, and, you know, there's work to be done here because depending on what that looks like, does that, you know, per Arlington's definition of, of uses that are allowable in our buildings, is that allowed? And if it's not, how do we start making some of the changes from a regulatory standpoint to be ready for those prospects so that we're not having to go through, you know, a long process with our community and the commissions and the, the board to, um, to affect, you know, to, to be ready for tenants like that. Um, so we're proactively, you know, out there trying to understand from our, from the companies themselves, but also from our, from brokers and the design firms that these companies work with about what does that space of the future look like? Um, so that's, you know, from the county standpoint and space, there's a lot going on there so that we are positioned well, um, because it's important for everything that we know and love about Arlington to be able to continue to offer all the great services it does. Um, we need to be mindful of, you know, the impact um, that this changed office demand is going to have on our budget and, and everything. Um, I would say the other piece is, is really, and I think the county and the community has always been focused on this, but there's kind of a renewed focus on wanting to be, continue to be the community where people want to live, right. And quality of life, um, you know, continue to have the great schools, the great transportation sense of community, because, you know, we need those residents. I think, um, we're fortunate in Arlington because of the way Arlington was developed, where you had, it's a very balanced communities between residential and commercial. So we've continued our small businesses and retail, you know, of course, took a hit during the pandemic, but have fared quite well because we have so many people in the residential buildings coming down to work in the cafes or, you know, grab a bite at Sweet Green during lunch. Um, you know, versus some parts of like DC, for example, where there's really no residential around those office buildings. And, you know, the businesses have been very, very hard hit um, with people not coming into the office. And we've heard and seen that in other cities too, that aren't, didn't take such a balanced approach um, to their development. And so I think, you know, a lot of people are just thinking of what, how do we continue to attract workers to want to, to live here, regardless of where they're quote unquote reporting for work, right? It could be somewhere else um, in the country, some, somewhere else outside of the US. Um, but we want to make sure we continue to have these kind of amenity rich, experience rich um, offerings for, for workers because, and I know a lot of, there's been a lot of announcements of, um, you know, developers 
who had gone in to you know develop a commercial building and are now um, convert doing conversions to residential. So what that ends up looking like in the long run is still you know to be seen. But um, you know rest assured that county there are a lot of work efforts underway to make sure that we are thinking proactively and strategically about this to be to be set up for the future because otherwise we're going to miss out on the opportunity. Yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, to kind of follow on that one, one last question before we wrap up here, um, talking about the role of public private partnerships and in, in creating the city of the future. So you've already touched on, you know, the relationship with JBG Smith, for instance, as well as others, um, you know, either existing or in the works. What's your What's kind of the mindset, but you know, behind working with corporations um, as part of Arlington County, and you know, what do you think is the ideal relationship between public and private sector? It's a great question, and something I've thought about many times through my professional career because I've worked at several levels in government and also in several roles in the private sector, and um, I really think that you know the government and I guess here speaking specifically about local government, but but really should be kind of enabling and harnessing the innovation that's happening in the private sector um, and within corporations who are kind of the, the cutting edge and the forefront of whether it's technology or best practices, um, you know, and putting guardrails in place where necessary to, you know, steer development and innovation in the direction that aligns you know, with the, with the values of, of the community, um, which as we know, you know, Arlington is very, um, active community and, uh, um, you know, this people who live in and work here have feel like they have a voice and, and weigh in on, on the direction the community is going in. But, you know, the way I see it is our role in government is really kind of helping create an environment that's conducive to growth and sustainable growth, especially, in this community um, and finding that optimal balance between the growth and what that looks like and then the community values. And that's going to look a little different in different communities. But, um, you know, we have to remember that, I I guess I would just kind of drive it home to balance, right? I mean, uh, there were a lot of conversations that I had with neighbors. I'm an Arlington resident um, after HQ2 was announced and, you know, and about, well, gosh, you know, we're just going to get taken over by these corporations. And I had to remind, you know, and, you know, it's all of a sudden, you know, national landing is going to, there's going to be traffic and all these, you know, strain on all of our resources and the schools and everything else. And, you know, kind of gently remind people that, you know, this is companies like Amazon and like all the other great ones, small, medium size companies that call Arlington home, I mean, that is what allows us to enjoy all the great things that we enjoy as residents in Arlington, like our great parks and our great summer camps and our great, you know, that's, that doesn't come out of thin air. That's value that's created by the companies that, you know, we're fortunate to have here in Arlington to call Arlington home. So um, that's a long-winded answer, but I would say, balance and, you know, having um, government kind of enable and and harness the great innovation that's happening in in the private sector Yeah, to benefit us all, right? Yeah, totally agree. Um, 
Well, Marion, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way for them to learn more about what you're doing and keep in touch? I would love to connect with anybody who's interested in the work that we do or following us. We're um, You can follow us on uh, LinkedIn and uh, I'm not as active on Twitter, but we do have a lot of our team. Um, and I will, I don't know if there's a way to link um, in the notes for the podcast, but we have yeah. a beautiful new website um, with lots of great information that we just um, unveiled last week. And I would love to, to point people there to just follow us on social media and reach out to me on LinkedIn if you'd like to, to learn more or be connected. Yeah, and I'll, I'll put a link in the in the show notes uh, when when this goes live. Well, um, again, I'd like to thank Marion Marquez, Director of Business Investment Group at Arlington Economic Development, uh, for joining the show. To learn more about Return on Creativity, brought to you by the Agile Brand and Arlington Economic Development, please go to returnoncreativity.com. Thanks for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkilstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.